Today on episode number 716 of the School of Podcasting, we're going to revisit bad audio. I've got three reasons why every radio personality should start a podcast with my buddy Eric K. Johnson. We're going to say no to puke voice, and we've got the question of the month. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you start your podcast and grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And... You're going to hear a theme in the next couple of episodes on the School of Podcasting about asking for help. And today we're talking with Eric K. Johnson. You might know him as the podcast talent coach. And he's a guy that's been in radio since around 1989. And I had an idea and it revolved around radio. And I thought, you know, I know somebody in radio And he's going to explain today the three reasons why every radio DJ should have a podcast. And if you're like, oh, I'm out, I'm not a radio DJ. Well, stick around because it kind of applies to everyone. And if you're like, Dave, I don't even have a microphone yet. What are you talking about? Well, then I've got a deal for you. Focusrite is the sponsor of this episode. And they've got a deal going on right now where you can check this out. $2,300 worth of equipment, you can do a podcast studio makeover. Check this out. A Focusrite uh, 18i8, that's the third generation. That's the one with the really, I mean, Focusrite always has great preamps, but these are like, oh my gosh, third generation. A high LPR40 with a PL2 boom arm. That's the cool boom arm that you can kind of swing back and forth. And of course, the high LPR 40 is legendary and Adam audio SP five studio headphones. So you got great things. You got a great set of cans. Can I say that? I don't know. Uh, Namba gear, little Namba remix backpack, one hour of free coaching from the one and only Harry Duran, which is just fun anyway. Cause Harry's a great guy. He is the founder of full cast. And of course the host of podcast junkies, a design session and a $500 store credit with Automoot. This is the company that makes custom sound treatments. So if you're a little boomy, we talked about that in the last episode with uh, bad audio. Well, that'll clean it right up. A $95 store credit with Hindenburg. So again, if you want to sound great, wow. 50% off Squadcast. So that's what I use to record interviews. And of course, discount on podcast hosting. All you have to do is literally send in a little video, got to send in a little audio, doesn't cost you a thing, and you could win $2,300 worth of equipment from Focusrite. Check out the link in the show notes, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 716. And Focusrite, thank you so much for sponsoring the School of Podcasting. Hey, if you missed last week's episode, we talked about what does bad audio sound like? And then I'm going to keep the name of the show just between me and me, but I found something. This is the guest. This is not the host, but this is what the guest sounded like. And to me, this is a classic example of there's so much room noise. It's distracting. Listen to the guest. 
now I have like a structure on how to put a podcast episode together because this was good for me because I was able to to get into I, I basically recorded. And so for me, that is an example of bad audio. The other thing I thought about that I did not talk about in that episode, and you can find it at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 715, is I didn't mention audio levels because you could have great sounding audio, but if all of a sudden you come on super loud and your guest is super quiet and you require your audience to grab the volume knob, that is also bad audio. So for more examples of that and my kind of dive into that, check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 715. And of course, you can always go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe, subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Okay, we have played Trivial Pursuit until we have memorized every clue. We have played Candyland. We have played Sorry. That's how bored we are. We played Sorry. So what's left to do during a quarantine but... Make a podcast. Wow, a podcast. That sounds hard. No, Brian, it's actually about the easiest thing in the world. Well, so what do we do? Well, we just talk about whatever's relevant. Now, what's on people's minds these days? What's on people's minds these days is, hey, I just lost my job. And in many cases, I actually brought up this idea because of iHeartRadio had laid off some some people. And speaking of iHeart, I have... A friend that works at iHeart, Eric K. Johnson, is a program director. He's actually in charge of multiple stations. And I had an idea, and I thought, you know, if I was a DJ and I lost my job, and that's kind of, unfortunately, nothing new in the radio industry. They come in, they change the format, they throw out the old team, they bring in a new team, and off you go. And so it's somewhat, unfortunately, kind of normal to lose your job. And I met a guy at Podcast Movement who unfortunately had just lost his job in radio. And he said, I got to get into podcasting. And I said, yeah, I said, because no matter where you're at, if you are in your situation and you lose your job, you're trying to get a new radio gig, it would be great if you said, oh, and by the way, I have a podcast and I've got X amount of people downloading every episode. And that makes sense to me. And I thought, but is it reality? I I think I know radio. And look, I talk into a microphone and so do DJs, but podcasting is not radio and radio is not podcasting. Guys in radio have their both their hands tied behind their back and a blindfold. And they're like, okay, be funny in six seconds. And so I thought this sounds like a good idea, but I really need it validated by somebody in radio. So what did I do? I reached out for help. And I've known Eric for years. He's a great guy. We actually do a show together, the podcast review show, where you bring your show on, you tell us what episode to listen to. And we listen to it and go, we really like this. And we think this could be maybe improved. We look at your website. You actually fill out kind of a, a survey at the beginning. It's like, here's why I'm doing my podcast. We kind of say, yeah, we need to do this to get this in alignment and things like that. And then you get both of us and when the review is over, you can kind of ask us any questions you want. So it's it's a consulting call with two consultants, plus some publicity from being on our show in the public. You're on my YouTube channel, a couple other things. Check it out, podcast review show. And I found Eric many moons ago when I was the director of the New Media Expo, and he was writing blog posts. I was like, man, this guy is really good. And so that's how we kind of partnered together on the podcast review show. 
And I'm always learning things from Eric. It's it's one of those things where if you want to learn, uh, if you want to get smarter, stand around smart people, and that will happen. And so I wanted to find out if this idea, should a DJ, is that actually going to come into play? And this was after we did the podcast review show. And in true Eric fashion, he literally just spit this out off the top of his head. So here's a conversation with Eric and myself talking about should radio personalities have a podcast and what are the benefits? Having a podcast as uh, an on-air personality is an amazing idea for you. It's just a fine line to walk with whoever you're working for. You have to make sure that it's all clear up front that we all know who's doing what and when we get to do it and what resources we can use to do it and uh, who owns it. So let me give you three ways a podcast benefits an on-air talent. The first one is when you get fired, you have a demo. Like people say, oh, you know, tell me what you're all about and what you're like. You actually have samples of your work because it's on your podcast. A lot of times your boss will call you in after your show and say, how was your last show? Because it was your last show. And then you're exited out of the building and you have no access to any of your work because it's all stored on the hard drive back at the radio station you were just fired. And now you're trying to get a hold of the weekend guy so he can sneak you in the building after hours so you can download some stuff and he's risking his job and it's just bad for everybody. So having a podcast gives you the opportunity to have a demo of your work. The second benefit that you get by having a podcast as a radio host is that you can talk about stuff you're not allowed to talk about on the air, or maybe you don't have time to talk about on the air. If you're a morning host or you're on a talk show, you have plenty of time to talk about whatever you want. But if you're just jocking a regular music shift, you don't, you have 30 to 60 seconds to get in what you want to talk about. A podcast allows you to talk about whatever you want for as long as you want. If you're on a country station, but you really really love football and you want to talk football, it may not fit the country format, but you can talk football all you'd like on your podcast. So a podcast allows you more creative freedom. And the the third thing a podcast does is allows you to develop your personal brand where morning hosts really do a lot to develop their personal brand. And you might know Howard Stern or Elvis Duran or Ryan Seacrest or any of the the big morning hosts, but you probably don't know the afternoon guy. You're probably not familiar with Valentine or you're probably not familiar with all of these other guys that are on the radio, but not on morning drive. So this allows you to create your brand and reach beyond your local city like a syndicated host might do, but you get to control it because it's your own brand. Now, a couple of the pitfalls that you need to be careful about, you need to be careful about the use of the equipment. If you're using the radio studios, you got to make sure your company knows that if you're under contract, you have to make sure that you maintain ownership of your, uh, your show and your creative content on your show. A lot of contracts have clauses in there that say anything that you create under this contract is owned by that company. You need to make sure that clause isn't in there, or if it is, you've adjusted it. Have your attorney look at the contract before you go sign it. That contract's 14 pages, not for your benefit. It's for the company's benefit. So make sure you know what you're signing and make sure that there's no conflict of interest clause in that contract as well that prevents you from doing outside work without disclosing it. You can do outside work as long as you disclose it and the company approves of it. 
before you start doing it. So if you come into a new situation with your podcast already in hand, because you've created a hundred episodes, you have to make sure that the contract you're signing doesn't turn ownership of that podcast over to the new company. It makes sure that you don't turn your brand over to the new company. And it makes sure that it's not a conflict of interest with the agreement that you're signing. Dude, you're amazing. You pulled that right out of your butt. That's awesome. There it is. <laughs> it's like, I just, for, for anyone listening, I said, Hey, you got like 10 minutes to like talk about radio stuff. And he's like, it comes up with a checklist. Number one, number two, number three. I was like, that's amazing. So Eric working. That's, that's the benefit of being on the radio for 30 years. <laughs> like ready, go talk about anything. Yeah. I, I go out and I do remotes and I, at a remote, you have to talk for 60 seconds about the business where you're standing. Mm. And it looks really easy. Mm-mm. And so I always have a promotions assistant there who's helping me with the gear and setting up and, and managing the crowd and everything like that. And they're like, man, you got it so easy. It's so easy. And I go, okay, here's the microphone. You're going to talk for 60 seconds about this business and get people to come. Uh, ready? Go. And we just fake it. And I time them and they go, Hey, we're out here at the, Billy Bob's and come on out and see us. And I go, great. You have 50 seconds left. Keep going. And they're like, I don't know what to say. And I go, well, there you go. You can't even get through 10 seconds. Give me that microphone. Oh yeah. Well that, and then it's, you know, in between songs, here's your 10 seconds, say something funny. So yeah, you have to be, it's brevity. You have to be entertaining in a small packet. Do you know of anybody in your area that is a DJ, but also a podcaster? Oh yeah. A ton of them, you know, working for iHeartMedia, we own 850 radio stations in 150 different markets. And on the iHeartRadio app, we are huge into podcasting and they encourage everybody who's on the air should have a podcast. And so I've helped all of my talent at the seven radio stations I handle. Every one of my on-air talent has a podcast. They all do. I have two morning shows, two different morning shows, and I've taken the female host of both of the morning shows and I put them together uh, so they can just talk about their stupid stuff their kids do. And uh, it's, it's awesome. It's two, it's called two moms and a mic and it's a great show. And there's all kinds of shows like that. We I have a movie review podcast. One of my guys does another one of my guys. He just goes off on political rants. There's, there's all kinds of, them. yeah, we, we are, all about creating new and pot different. That's the great thing about podcasts. You can try it. If it doesn't work, try something else. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't lose anything. We're used to doing that. You know, we're used to being on the air for five hours a day and we talk into the mic and it just goes away into the ether, never to be heard again. So we can do 10 episodes of a podcast and if it doesn't work, we don't care. We just start another one <laughs> because we're just used to, to our audio being disposable. Any other tips before I let you get out of here? Oh, I can give you tips all day long. <laughs> well, you, you can't. Tips, you can go find them at podcasttalentcoach.com. They're all, all right there. I got free worksheets and all sorts of stuff that'll help you create a podcast on anything you want to talk about. Especially if you're doing interviews. You're one, what is it, 17 questions? 17 the most powerful podcast interview questions ever. Yeah, there are a lot of the questions that I've used interviewing everybody from a Def Leppard to Natalie Merchant to Eric Church. You know, it's just it's ways to get your guests to tell fantastic stories, because when I get Blake Shelton on the radio, nobody wants to hear about, well, the new album's coming out next Tuesday. Like, we know that. That's why you're here. You know, tell us a crazy thing that, you know. 
when was the first time you met Gwen Stefani? Like, tell me that story. Those interview questions will help you get to that point where you're having just engaging conversations with your guests. There you go. And again, you can get that at podcasttalentcoach.com. Eric, thanks so much, buddy. You bet. Thanks for having me. Some great tips there on the podcast review show. We just reviewed Trent, who is a speaker. Well, there's somebody who's making a demo with his podcast, the freedom to talk about whatever you want. Think about that. Are you a person that's trying to get more exposure for your content? You can reach a global audience and say whatever you want. And then, of course, all of this builds your brand. People get to know you. People get to like you. People get to trust you all because you're building a brand with your podcast. Your podcast typically is not the business. It's the business card. So find Eric again over at podcasttalentcoach.com. Find us both at podcastreviewshow.com. WNBC. WNBC. No, no. Got to be more like this. WNBC. You hear that kind of? Left NBC. WNBC. 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 In my mind, I'm hearing, I'm, it sounds like I'm saying exactly no, what you're saying. No, actually. WNBC. And that is a clip from the movie Howard Stern's Private Parts, a very funny, very entertaining movie. Not one to watch with the kids unless you want to explain that woman really likes kielbasa. But what I wanted to, why I played that is I want to talk about puke voice. And if you've never heard the phrase puke voice, I believe I should have asked Eric, I believe it's a phrase people use in radio. And what puke voice is, is that radio voice that people use when they think I'm on the radio and I got to sound like this, everybody. Or they, you know, hey, everybody, the deep voice guy that sounds like this. All right, and I'm going to over-enunciate my words, because that's the way we talk on the radio. And the problem is, uh, there's a, uh, the book I talk about a lot, Storyworthy, by Matthew Dix. I love that book. And he talks about crafting your stories in a way that you would tell them at like a dinner party or at the dinner table. Like, you're not going to, like, look at your kids or your spouse and go, hey, can you pass me the potatoes, please? All right. I don't think so. And when you finally get to meet some of your listeners, you don't want them to go, he sounded completely different. You know, she didn't have any cool vocal fry going on when I talked to her in person. So keep that in mind. Just be yourself. And to avoid being monotone, add a little more inflection. There, I wish I could find a clip. There is a uh, one of the things in my flash briefing from Amazon. And the woman really almost sings to her. Here is the news from Ohio.com. It's like, what? What are you? What? 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 She almost sings the news to you. Don't do that either. Just be yourself. Be excited to talk about what you're talking about. That's usually what comes across when Eric and I do the podcast review show. We can tell when the person starts talking about the topic, just natural enthusiasm for your topic will come through the microphone. You don't need to have puke voice. It is the end of the month. Believe it or not, like March is toast. Wow. And 
I always have the last episode of the month include a question of the month. And this question of the month, I asked, have you done an official poll of your audience to simply ask what doing anything really, but really what you want to find out is what do you like about my show and what do you not like about my show? And I did one late last year and uh, I asked you, Hey, have you done one? And if so, what have you learned? And if you haven't done one, well, why not? And here's what you had to say. Hey, Dave, this is the uh, football history dude, Arnie Chapman, just calling in for your March question of the month. Uh, the question is if I've surveyed my audience. Um, I have, kind of, in a way. I've tried the whole social media, asked some questions, or on the show I've also said, hey, give me your input, please, kind of thing, at the contact on my website. But let's just say I really haven't had a whole lot of feedback other than a select few. You know, of course, you ask in person the the family members and such, which always tell you you have a great podcast, and I love that one and all that kind of thing. And I, so I, I'd say ultimately, no, I really didn't survey the audience to what would be considered a normal survey. I would be interested in surveying the audience more. I think that I just really haven't spent the time, uh, haven't really took that effort. I suppose also I just like many other podcasters starting out there. I don't believe I have that large of an audience. And with that, not having that large of an audience at the same time, if I were to send it out, maybe if you get 1% back, you're happy. But really, how many is that? I don't know. Maybe I should do this more. In fact, I should probably go ahead and do this. So, Dave, thank you for your questions of the month, because often they inspire us to go and do things that maybe we knew we should, and we just don't take the time to do it. So, I uh, again, my name is Arnie Chapman. I am the Football History Dude, which is a podcast dedicated to teaching fans about the rich history of the NFL. And here's a little bit of plug because live sports is not going on, but the history is always there. That's not going to change. So go ahead and listen to the show. Other than that, thanks for everything you do. And I will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Arnie. Worst case scenario, you put out a poll and nobody answers. And aside from a slightly bruised ego, you know, you go, well, okay, maybe I'm not hitting on any cylinders yet, or maybe you need to throw in the old Amazon $10 gift card incentive, which I kind of see both sides of the story on that. You want them to answer because they want to make the show better, not because they want to go shop for something. But I get that sometimes you got to give them a little nudge. Hey, Dave, this is Brandon from the Utah Podcast Summit. And on my show, the Fandom Podcast, I've tried a couple different types of surveys. I tried the traditional Google Forms type of survey and didn't get a whole lot of engagement from that. My show is about TV shows, comics, movies, and books. And I just don't think that my listeners actually saw any value in telling me what their favorite fandoms were. So next, I tried some meme-style surveys where I posted an image in my Facebook group. For example, on one I asked which Ninja Turtle was their favorite because you can learn a lot about a person if you know who their favorite Ninja Turtle is. I put a different reaction underneath each turtle and that got some traction. It was a little skewed sometimes, though, because sometimes people just click the like button and don't actually answer the question. But I think this method got a little bit more traction because the barrier to entry was so low. But my survey with the best engagement took me an entire month. I set up a bracket in March and did a March Madness, but with different fandoms, because I want to find out what fandoms that my audience actually cares about. And so every day I posted a poll in the Facebook group and tracked the progress of this bracket. 
I was able really quickly to see which fandoms got more engagement and had a bigger fan base. And at the end of the month, as appropriate, the two that were head to head were Star Wars and Star Trek. And on that post, I had over 5,000 votes on that poll. Now, I have just your average size audience, but people really cared about it and they were sharing the post and they were trying really hard to make it so that their fandom won. I've spoken to a couple people who started listening during this survey. So it was not only good for finding out what people cared about, but it was also good for building a little bit more of an audience. Were my surveys scientific? No, not really. But based on the topic of my show, I don't think I really needed them to be either. And I got some new listeners along the way. Thanks for all you do, Dave. Again, this is Brandon Ushio from the Utah Podcast Summit, which can be found at utahpodcastsummit.com. Thank you, Brandon. And that's a great idea right there. In fact, I've seen some sports radio stations because I turned them on. I'm like, what are they talking about? All the sports are canceled. And they were doing things like brackets of sports movies like Brian Song versus Rocky and things like that. Just getting things that their audience was that had an opinion, I guess. And that's where things start getting fun is you start to see what they really care about. And so brackets and things like that can be fun. Contests in general are kind of a pain in the butt. And uh, if you don't believe me, ask Todd Cochran. He's the guy behind the People's Choice Podcast Awards. But nonetheless, it can be a lot of fun learning what your audience is interested in. Next up, the one, the only Steve Stewart. Hello, my family members, my SOP family members. This is Steve Stewart from SteveStewart.me. I had a podcast from 2010 to 2015. It was about getting out of debt. The show is called Money Plan SOS. I did a survey probably about three or four years into it and found out, even though this was a show about getting out of debt, that the majority of my active listeners, at least the ones that responded to the surveys, were already out of consumer debt. And that ultimately caused me to change gears and retire the show for a new podcast that ultimately didn't make it because this podcast editing thing took over my life. But another survey I did, and this is something that's kind of ongoing, it confirmed my suspicion and revealed the truth. There's a mantra out there that credit cards are more safe than debit cards, and I found out that that's false. A personal debit card with the Visa or MasterCard logo on it has the same protections as credit cards, and you can even find that on Visa and MasterCard's websites. It's just that a debit card won't get you into debt, and that's why I'm so favorable towards debit cards and not credit cards. What I did was I've asked over the past eight years, I've asked people this simple question, have you ever lost money when your debit card was compromised? And I haven't found a single person who was not able to get their charges reversed by their bank if it was a debit card that was compromised. Now, I have heard stories where the banks were compromised and there were some checking accounts that, that lost some money, but those are very isolated incidents. I'm actually very surprised that it hasn't happened more often. But it never had anything to do with the debit card being compromised. So the mantra that credit cards are safer than debit cards I just found that to be false, and I've been asking this question over and over for over eight years now. haven't found a single person who could say, hey, you know, I, I had my debit card compromised and lost all this money. Go to your bank. They want to work with you. They're your bank. They want to keep you as a customer, and they have the zero liability policy tied to those Visa and MasterCard logo debit cards. Anyway, the truth was revealed all because I surveyed my audience and the followers on my social media. I thought that was very interesting. Thanks for giving me that opportunity to share that, Dave. That, my friends, is an example of someone who is excited about talking about his subject. Can you hear when he starts talking about credit cards? He's like, and that's talk to your bank. It's like he's got that whole, yeah, huh, hmm. he's passionate about that stuff. I love that. Thank you, Steve. 
And he learned that from his podcast, from his, uh, his survey. So don't be afraid because here's why I say this. I think I shared this story with you. This is the problem. I do a, a number of shows and I do talks at events and things like that. I kind of forget who I told what, but it's a quick one. My mom used to make great stew. Right there, you're going, yeah, we've heard this, Dave. My mom made great stew. So let's say I decide I invite all my friends over and I'm going to recreate mom's stew because I found the recipe card. And so I put it out on the table. My friends walk in and they go, some of them go, mmm, that smells great. And then somebody else goes, uh, is, um, is that gluten free by chance? And then another person goes, is that like real meat in, in the, the meat part there thing? Or is that like incredible meat or the whatever fake meat stuff? And I go, ooh, see that right there. You have to know who your audience is because now the person that's gluten free, and I know a few people that are gluten free. I know a couple of people that are celiac, which means like if they like, I don't know, sniff gluten, they're like puking their brains out, turning inside out for hours. And so if, if I make a stew that tastes, oh, and it's gluten free, that person goes, oh my gosh, I haven't had stew like this in forever. I can't eat stew because nobody makes it gluten free. And then what do they do? What do they do? They go tell their other gluten free friends. And I realize sometimes it's a little more complicated than that. It's not as simple as, well, they're gluten free. Or they do this, but if you can solve a problem, and even if the problem is, I don't know, I've been cooped up for a week and a half with my kids and spouse, and I'm going to lose my mind, and somehow you can make them laugh at something, that's solving a problem. And they're going to go, oh, man, There's a, I've talked about him before. George Robb makes me laugh. He just does. He's a very just bizarre guy. And when I heard that he had lost all of his income, because of this lovely virus, if you're listening to this later, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 deal as I record this. And so I, as soon as I heard he had like zero income, I immediately said, where is your donate button? But I'm here to tell you, George's show is not like any other show I've listened to. I just heard of a new show. I haven't listened to it yet. It's called Jersey Reads the Classics. And it's an actress who puts on a serious New Jersey accent and then reads things like Alice in Wonderland. And I cannot do a, a Jersey accent. I just love the idea because it's not on fire. It's not somebody interviewing a small business person. It's not somebody talking about inspiring stories. I just went, that's outside of the box. I kind of like that. And that may just be the distraction somebody needs, but it all starts all great podcasts start with knowing who your audience is that is the key because it doesn't matter if you create the world's greatest stew if your audience goes oh i can't eat that so it doesn't do any good if you buy thousands of dollars of equipment and you publish on the exact same time every week and you've got the best schedule and it sounds phenomenal and your audience goes, yeah, I can't really listen to that. That's not really what I'm looking for. Don't be afraid because otherwise, look, 
we might all have a little, a little bit of extra time right now. I don't know about that. I think we all find ways to fill up our time. But if you're going to spend the time to make a podcast, let's do it right the first time. Knowing, knowing, knowing that there's nothing you can do about the first couple of episodes and that it's always a work in progress. This is episode number 716, and I can tell you right now that's probably better than episode number 655, which was better than 546, which was better than 157. I'm always looking to get better. It's kind of, it's the musician in me. You're only as good as your last record. And so I'm just always trying to be better. And that really boils down to what do you want? And I don't mean that in a kind of like you're driving me crazy, but more in a very passionate, really, what do you want to talk about? Because I would love to talk about it with you. And that's what you can do with your audience. And if you only think about this, you've got 20 people. All right. 20 people. And I always say it's roughly a 3% ratio is going to, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, 3% is going to answer that. So that's a uh, 0.6 of a person. So good. You get 0.6% of a person. That's one to give you what they want. Think about that. And you then email them and say, thank you so much for your suggestion. Based on your suggestion, I've done this to the podcast. Again, making sure that it's kind of fits into the vision that you want your podcast to be. And you tell that person, they're going to be like, holy cow, I just shaped a podcast. I have power. And they're going to go tell their friends, this guy is so cool. She is so awesome. All I did was, hey, could you do this? And they did. There's a uh, documentary about the band ZZ Top. ZZ Top has been around forever, like since the 70s. That's a long time. Same three guys. And they explain how they were playing a theater, a theater. It was supposed to hold, I don't know, a couple hundred people. And it had one person for whatever reason. It had one person and the guy started to leave and they stopped and said, please don't leave. What would you like to hear? We'll play anything you want to hear. And the guy gave them something, they played it, and they just, it was just whatever you want, we're going to play it. They took a break and went down and hung out with a guy, and then they came back and played another set to that one person. And they said that was like back in like 72, they said that guy still comes to concerts and goes, do you remember me? And they go, oh yeah, we remember you. Another story, Sting was on The Tonight Show and explained how he was also in The Police at the time. He was a band called The Police. If you never heard of Stang, he uh, does do the Russians love your children too. I love Sting. And um, they played to three people. Same exact story. What do you want to hear? And they just played it to them. And one of those guys was a DJ in New York City. So if you only get two people who reply to your survey, Two of those people might be influential people who then tell a whole bunch of people because that input can help make the show better, which maybe the next time you do a survey, you get two and a half people and then four people and then six people. And it just goes on and on. And this is why podcasting is a marathon. It's not a sprint, but it can only I right now it's the teacher in me. I just want to get better which is why I did a survey, which is why you're hearing me do more interviews. Why is Dave doing more interviews? 
because you guys said, hey, you're really good at interviews. And I didn't take that personal like, hey, Dave, what? Get off the mic. Get somebody else in there. (laughs) And so you're going to hear me in the future. Today, we had Eric K. Johnson. We have uh, Misty Phillip, who is the person behind the uh, Spark Christian Podcast Conference. She's coming up. I interviewed Brent uh, Basham, I believe is how you pronounce that, from podit.net. That's a tool that helps you kind of organize and find more guests for your show. I interviewed the guys from Wealth Without Wall Street. And here's a clip from that show. Our revenue as a company increased 300% just last year. So if you're looking for a reason to start a podcast, that's a pretty good one. I'd like to triple the income of my company. So those are all interviews that will be coming in the future. And of course, if you want to have these automatically show up on your device, just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. Speaking of subscribe, I have a YouTube channel. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash DaveTube, as in D-A-V-E, Tube. And on Wednesday, I'm putting out a tutorial on how to subscribe to podcasts in Google Podcasts. If you go to learntosubscribe.com, you can see how to subscribe in Apple Podcasts. But now that Google has an app, I have an app for that. And that will also be available eventually at learntosubscribe.com because it is all about the subscribers. So it's free. doesn't cost you a dime. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't kill your wife. Don't kill your kids. It's a fun time that we will look back fondly on years from now and go, remember the coronavirus? Oh, what a hoot. And some of us may go, yeah, I miss the coronavirus. Remember the great talks we used to have? Remember the time with the kids? You never know. I was going to make that the question of the month. (laughs) What's the most positive thing that's happened due to this whole quarantine situation? But that doesn't really help you as a podcaster. And so I think we're going to do for the question of the month. And I'm going to leave this somewhat open-ended and simply say, tell me what you use to make your podcast. That's So this could be microphones. It could be web hosting, media hosting. It could be WordPress theme. It could be calendar scheduling. It could be... Uh, invoicing tool. If you're a business, uh, I know I'm playing with one right now. Uh, uh, this could be as little or as much as you want to share. And if there's a reason why, like if there's something that's like, oh, I, I do use this because it's just awesome. Uh, feel free to answer that. So go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. And this, of course, will be the question of the month in April, which means I need it by Friday, April 24, 2020, because it will be coming out April 27th. The question again is, what do you use to create your podcast? That could be Evernote. It could be Trello. It could be Notion. I'm thinking of all the things that I use to make. Could be StreamYard. Could be whatever you're using. Feel free to include as little or as much as you want. Because I think as much as I preach here, it's not the gear. A lot of people love to find out what other people are using because we're all worried about FOMO, which is fear of missing out. So I'm going to leave that as open-ended 
include as little or as much as you want. Please also include the name of your show and your domain. And when you say that, there are no prizes for anyone who says it the fastest. So don't say, oh, and this is Dave Jackson for the school podcast. That really, it just doesn't help. I'm just here to say. So thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you next week with another episode of the School of Podcasting. Don't forget, if you want to sign up, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. And until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. your podcast, launch it, and all that other stuff that I can never remember. I interviewed the guy behind podit.net uh, today, which is a service to help you get, uh, what you call it, those things? Yeah, the guests. Yes, it helps you get to the guest people. Oh, shit.